Everyone eats out every day, but people don't think about how food arrives on the plate. This is Grounded, and I'm Lauren Mitchell. Join me as we delve deep into the challenges, expertise, and experiences of professionals and innovators in the food service industry. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators. This is Stephanie File, Chief Procurement Officer at Produce Alliance with your one-minute update from the field. It's that time of year again, transition. Transition is when we move from the desert growing region in Yuma back to our California growing regions. Unfortunately, it's common to see issues arise during this time frame. I want to talk to you about a few commodities that are currently being affected. Lettuce, cauliflower, and broccoli. We are seeing shortages in supply and escalating markets. These issues stem from weather-related issues in Yuma. We saw extremely windy days and very cold temperatures and more rain than typical. In California, many fields were affected by the rain, which slowed growth and lowered our yields. Another commodity I want to touch on is strawberries. Strawberries have been severely problematic because the majority of yields are pulling from California, which was hit hard with rain. We do hope to see some improvements as early as next week, and we hope it continues to improve a little each week from that point on. On a better topic, one commodity that we have great supply on is Roma around tomatoes. Mexico has had a plentiful production in crops this last week and quality taste and color look great. For more information on market conditions, visit our website or follow Produce Alliance on Twitter or Instagram. Today's guest, I am thrilled to be speaking with this individual today. His strong partners in the industry and a robust team that keeps him well-informed and on top of his salad game. He's got a strong background in hospitality operations with a Bachelor of Arts in hotel and restaurant management, a demonstrated history of working in the food and beverage industry. He was a national and district sales manager for McLean Food Distribution and presently the director of procurement at Salada Salad Kitchen, Mr. Josh Hoyt. <laughs> Good morning, Lauren. How are you Good today? Good morning. I'm great. I'm great. I'm so glad uh, to be here and um, and I'm excited to dig in. Thanks. Happy to be here as well. Okay. So I guess to start, um, tell me about your position as director of procurement for Salada. What does that involve? Oh, uh, I wear many <laughs> hats, um, but uh, primarily I maintain supply chain for our 93 current restaurants. Um, in five states, uh, essentially uh, manage contracts for all of our food, um, non-food, uh, catering supplies, uh, and as well as produce. Um, so proteins, dairy, you know, essentially uh, all major categories uh, that are supporting the restaurants. Okay, so that answers my next question. So you you not only take care of fresh produce for you know a, a produce centric brand like Salada, but you have other categories too: dairy, protein. Yeah, that'll keep yeah, you busy. Yeah, we're definitely not, you know, we're, we're a growing brand. We'll be at uh, well over 100 restaurants uh, by the end of this year. Uh, that's our growth plan. Uh, but I manage essentially all categories. So produce uh, being a fresh concept, um, produce is uh, probably 60 or 70% of our line. Being a salad concept, it's hugely important to us. Um, but we also do uh, 12 lean proteins, uh, protein options. So that also falls under my umbrella. Okay. All right. So tell me, 
for, for, for fresh produce, at least you've got, um, distribution that supports you? Is it single carrier, multiple carriers? And, and with it being in five different states, how does that that change state to state? Is it single for all states or do you have a different setup? Yeah, so our our largest uh, volume comes out of the state of Texas. So we're in three, actually four major markets, uh, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. Um, we've had a long-term partner that has supported us in the Texas market. Uh, one thing that's important to me um, on our largest you know, some of our largest purchases of produce uh, that we have a single point of contact and sort of single distribution service uh, through one carrier. So our current partner uh, has been able to support us in the entire Texas market. Uh, but then we uh, have another uh, single point of contact outside um, for California, at, uh, Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, soon to be uh, West, uh, West Coast, Florida, actually the panhandle of Florida. So um, got some new markets coming on board and uh, growing. So, um, you know, we used to have a regional distribution uh, strategy and that just, you know, uh, one particular produce company in a market um, in, in each market, say a different produce company in Atlanta, a different one in Los Angeles, um, one different one in Charlotte, just didn't work for us. Uh, too many different programs, no contracting ability, you know, Volume speaks, uh, uh, good volume speaks wonders for us, um, helps us with contracting and we weren't seeing that. So being able to um, align with one particular uh, produce, uh, I guess sort of a, a national produce company uh, was definitely helpful. Sure. Yeah. So for those that aren't um, familiar with with produce and contract management, being able to leverage all of your volume for as much as possible, even if you've got saturation in one market, such as Salada in, in the Texas area, or you want to take the entire volume uh, nationally, and you leverage that to support um, good buys on your high volume uh, produce items. Um, so being able to have, you know, first of all, just like what you said, single points of contact, um, and, and distribution points is very helpful. And then, um, especially for someone who, who starts growing across state lines, such as yourself. Um, how about, you know, at, for the vendors that support you in terms of the final mile trucks pulling up to, to your kitchen doors, you know, what is one thing that you wish they knew or could really understand that could help you serve your restaurants better? Something that maybe just recently you've experienced or even just something that a pattern that you see frequently where if they they could understand this, it would, it would really help, you know, you, your ultimate goal for, for the brand. You know, for, for us, consistency is key. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that that partner, uh, vendor partner that we've chosen um, can hit delivery windows. We know things are not going to be perfect. Distribution has its challenges, you know, until it's run by robots, okay. by robots, um, no weather challenges, things of that nature. Um, we're still going to have the standard uh, distribution headaches, but if they could be very consistent in hitting delivery windows, um, we try to teach our franchisees and operators not to live off the back of the truck, but we do know mm -hmm. things happen. Um, for us, consistency is key. Um, and then also have a partner that truly looks at us, um, sells to us on a consultative level. Um, mm -hmm. Me being uh, a limited, having a limited procurement window um, vision um, to what's going on in the fields um, and sort of what's new and on trend. 
um, letting them come to me and share new ideas, new thoughts, um, and, and just be that consultant. Um, sure. and, and really just, hey, we saw this, something was really neat and cool. Um, we thought you might be interested in. And actually having the vendor know our operation and, mm. and understand what it is that we do and kind of what we're trying to accomplish. So if we have some, um, you know, business reviews a couple times a year, just like where we stand, what are we doing? How are you performing for us? How are we performing for you as a vendor? And really understanding that partnership. Um, those are the two critical things that I'm looking for, really consultative selling, um, a vendor that knows our our business, um, wants our business, um, and then having consistency on the delivery side. I think that should be pretty standard across the industry. Um, I would think most procurement individuals are uh, procurement professionals are looking for that as well. Sure. Yeah, gosh, absolutely. I heard a couple of things there, consistency, but also step ahead partner. So as you're managing not only fresh produce, and I think there's like over 70 fresh ingredients for your brand, um, but also multiple categories, someone who's out there with eyes in the marketplace, not only putting new ideas in front of you, but vetting them as far as, you know, knowing what Salada can do and where they want to go. So, um, that's so key. I love, I love that you brought that up and kind of having the proactive support, um, out there. All right. So another question I want to ask is kind of going into challenges as, as we're no stranger to in, in, in produce and, and certainly just supply chain as a whole. And they say moments of massive disruption can lead to great opportunities. Can you give me an example of how a disruption or a challenge has led you to a winning strategy that you still utilize today? Yeah, definitely. Um, one comes to mind. Um, we had uh operations on the East Coast um, during the pandemic. Uh, we, use a, we use a really specific pita bread that is produced in Los Angeles from a particular vendor that we use for a long time. Fantastic product. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously we knew um, trucking shortages, delays, things of that nature. Um, we ran into some delays on this particular product getting into our final mile distributor um, on the East Coast. And this was new right as I came on board with Salada. Um, but I started asking a lot of questions like, why do we use this particular vendor? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're shipping something from Los Angeles to Atlanta, adding additional freight. Um, sure. Let's find some local partners. Let's find, reach out and let's do some cuttings on some other products. So we actually reached out to uh, a distributor friendly vendor that was in the market and, you know, started looking at uh, essentially new vendors for that particular product. And so uh, they were able to meet all of our needs and actually saved us quite a bit of money and gave us uh, a very similar product uh, without having to change recipes and things of that nature. Um, you know, really not necessarily thinking outside the box, but, you know, just challenging the status quo and like, why do we buy this product? Why are we using this vendor? Um, it doesn't make sense. You know, let's, let's look at local, let's look at regional and there can be some synergy for them as well as savings and just um, help the supply chain not be difficult, right? Let's, let's use people that are down the street um, and, you know, build those new relationships. So that's, that's one key thing that uh, I think I brought to the position is um, truly challenging the status quo and, you know, asking why do we use this? Um, You know, truly knowing the operation um, and uh, just searching for new products, but uh, trying to take some cost out of the equation as well. Uh, Absolutely. I think, 
um, understanding cost breakdown by item is, is kind of the paths that'll send you to, you know, opportunities like that, multiple sourcing points, um, add tremendous value. If you can, if you can kind of understand that, you know, the right partners in different markets and just simply asking the question. Right. So I love that. Um, great. So how about, how about this one? What, what has been something that Salada started doing within produce procurement and maybe something you specifically brought to Salada that's been so successful, you kept doing it? Um, one thing that we looked at uh, just recently was expanding our contracted items. We traditionally had five contracted items and um, sort of looking at the volume and the growth that we've had over the last two years and really expanding that to actually 10 or 12 items now, I'm still in some negotiations with a couple of items. Um, we might be picking the wrong time of year for certain things <laughs> like strawberries and, you know, given everything that's going on in California right now. Um, Certainly. And, and then the stress that's being put on other areas to continue their growing region, their, their growing um, areas or the pull from Mexico. Um, but moving the contracted items, um, bumping that up to 10. Um, traditionally, you know, there, I guess there are two schools of thoughts. A play the market. Um, don't contract. You know, you may be a winner in certain areas. You know, you, you may win some, you may lose some. Um, the second thought is contract. You may pay a little more for the long run, but you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have contract. You're going to have product because it's contracted um, and you'll have a consistent price. Um, for me, um, Romaine Hearts is a, uh, is our number one item uh, that as well as spinach um, and some spring Arcadian mix um, having those contracted and knowing that I can essentially set my food costs for the remainder of the year, barring any acts of God, uh, force majeure issues, um, we can set that we can set that price and know that that particular product um, and our yield um, is going to remain the same. So, um, and I guess back to your original point or question, uh, you know, expanding those contracts to further uh, solidify our food cost is uh, one thing that uh, I've done on the produce side. Yeah, that's one question that some people don't know the answer to, and some people are searching for a better answer for is what percentage of your spend is contracted? Um, and how do you choose which items to contract versus which ones to not? Just as you brought up, you know, playing the market versus just having cost ability or understanding the value of that contract to the market in let's say last year's context. Um, but you know, heading into transition, you know, twice a year, we move in and out of Yuma and Salinas with with the romaine specifically and, and other greens, row crop, broccoli, cauliflower, um, you know, when we get in a position where supply is a, a concern and, and demand is staying same, if not heavy, as in the spring, a lot, lot more salad eaters out there, um, you know, a lot of the suppliers or growers will hold to their 10-week averages, which is essentially those that are on a contract and have been consistently buying. So where they have to really hone in on um, you know, we've got this much available to ship and this is who it's going to go to. They start with just those, you know, steady, consistent customers that have relied on, you know, their specific product over the course of the year. So absolutely. I think that's, that's fantastic. You guys are moving up from five to six items to 10 to 12 in terms of contracts too. So. And, the, cool. and to your point, um, we've been extremely loyal to um, our vendors, um, essentially the farmers out, 
out in California, we we haven't jumped for a dollar or fifty cents a case, and we've had people approach us. But um, and and to me, I'm I'm very loyal, and maybe to a fault. But uh, I see value in those relationships. That you know, fifty cents a case is not going to sway me from um, remembering that they took care of us during the you know the difficult times, like we're about to run into. Um, you know, they've my current vendors have said they are going to keep us in product. They've kept mm-hmm. us in product in the past when we've had some hiccups, and uh, that's. I know my operators and franchisees are are happy for those relationships. And, you know, I think it's just good business long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Loyalty. And that might, that answer might kind of be part of your answer for this question, but I'm curious if it might be different in any way. And that is just, just like what you discussed. A lot of people can get distracted by, you know, saving a dollar or perhaps a, a, a shiny new thing for any sense of the word. Um, But what basic principle exists at your core to drive the decision-making and procurement? Um, So I live off of three principles, um, three points. One is quality first, Mm -hmm. finding a quality product. Um, Second is availability. And third is price. Um, Quality first and foremost, and we've got a quality brand. Um, We put out a quality product and uh, we think we have a great perceived value by our customers. And that's why we have uh, have seen growth. Um, you know, availability, having a great product with zero availability um, does you no good, right? So yeah. for me, when I'm sourcing for a new product, it, it's got to be available um, and easy in the distribution chain. If I've got to help somebody um, figure out distribution and it's a product I'm really interested in, um, they're not in... Uh, a secondary distributorship, um, or, you know, they haven't figured that out. It's very difficult to do business with them. Um, if availability is fantastic, um, it makes it that much easier to to pull the trigger and make that decision. Um, and price for me is, um, further down the line. If, if I can improve my quality, um, and maintain the, the price, where I'm at currently, to me, that's a win and it's something that I would definitely consider. So really those three things are the driving principle, um, principles behind everything that I do. Absolutely. The availability is huge. I mean, we can, we can be delivered new ideas every day by, by folks, but if it's not something that you can easily drop into your distribution channel, it, it becomes an, a new problem to have to solve. So yeah, <laughs> I love that exactly. answer. Thank you. All right. So we are no stranger to challenges and problem solving, specifically in fresh produce um, procurement distribution. What are some of the challenges you encounter in this category specifically um, just over the course of your time with Salata? You know, we've based on our our vendor partnerships, we've been really blessed over the last two years to mm. really run into minor issues. Um, you know, uh, knock on wood, and I hate to say this, but uh, there have been really no E. coli outbreaks. Um, one thing with us serving a lot of fresh um, fresh veggies, uh, especially on romaine and the leaf lettuces, when there's some sort of an E. coli outbreak in the mass media, um, creates a panic. Um, you know, that creates issues for us, and we haven't seen that lately. Um, things have been pretty quiet all on the produce front. Um, we've been able to use this time to look at one new contracts and also some, some new products. Um, you know, we're 
we're kicking the tires on some hydroponic, um, trying to bring in some more nutritional items to our line. So but just some things that we're working on internally to uh, possibly uh, increase the offerings for our for our franchisees, uh, as well as the uh, the final customer. So, awesome. so I don't have a really good answer. Um, you know, there's we don't have potatoes on our line. You know, we're not uh, impacted by, um, you know, uh, the potato crop shortages come, you know, late in the year. Um, we've been pretty blessed to not be too heavily impacted on that. Uh, we are going to see some uh, potential scares coming up um, and we're, sure. we're working on options and plans for that. Um, but once again, I think our vendors are going to come through for us and support us first because of our contracts. No, that's great. I mean, certainly with romaine, there's no there's no easy solution for a Caesar salad. And so, you know, staying staying in the lane, I think our industry is getting smarter. There's, um, you know, wash testing and other things in play here that can support our restaurants that that have that as a critical item again for for Caesars and other things like that because it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and understanding kind of risk mitigation uh, is important too. But as you said, I mean, transition is not something that we can shy away from. It happens twice a year and it's going to happen every year. But if you go into it, eyes open and understanding, okay, so here's where we're going to see either lighter boxes, smaller sizing, um, you know, in particular with Iceberg, for an example, and, and kind of putting in these contingency plans as well with your vendor partner, um, just walking into it arm in arm. I think it's a win-win. So, well, so, uh, you know, one of the first questions you asked was um, regarding challenges and, you know, what have we done to pivot? And I'd given the pita, pita bread, um, non-produce related, but uh, uh, given that answer, um, you know, looking at what's coming to us here in the, in the next coming weeks with the transition and, uh, you know, what's going on at Salinas on the row crops, uh, you know, that's forced us to look at new new options, i.e. hydroponic. What could we do to maybe limit some of that burden um, on the row crops and, you know, bring something new in? So, you know, it's just, once again, uh, we've got to find a new way to uh, continue to support our, our customers and make sure that we've got product to sell. So, um, out of uh, out of tragedy comes maybe some uh, out of adversity comes, uh, you know, new ways of thinking. Sure. So let's talk about visibility into your supply chain. And for those that aren't quite familiar, you know, he's Josh is in the position of uh, directing the procurement for, as we said, multiple lanes outside of fresh produce, but taking produce specifically how are you tracking or are you tracking quality um, or fill rate reporting into the, the store locations? It's um, a franchisee model. So you've got a lot of independent restaurants out there that are bringing product into the doors. You know, what is your visibility into what's going on and how are you tracking it? Question. So um, we use an outside company. Um, I think it's one of your sister companies. We use uh, Restaurant Procurement Partners. Um, sure. Yes, they are. As part of the buyer's edge and consolidated concepts, um, we uh, we utilize them for some of that reporting and additional support. So we make sure that all of our vendors pull um, uh, send data over um, electronically, and we pull reports. And so that's been uh, extremely helpful for us. Um, I also work directly with um, internally our franchise business consultants who are in touch with the restaurants on a, a daily and weekly basis. Um, so uh, we're 
not so large that I don't have personal relationships with our with our franchisees. So um, working with them uh, monthly, eh, sometimes weekly, even daily, um, we we get reports back on um, what that looks like from a service level standpoint, and uh, we get surveys back from them on how well our vendors are doing. So um, through RPP um, and personal touches with our owner operators, we were able to keep a good handle on things, um, and also just our our distributor, produce distributor partners sharing information, uh, market reports, um, and weekly calls uh, keeps us up to date. RPP is a great partner for you guys. I've been on the other end of the table and they definitely represent your needs very well in the sense that they've got a clear understanding of what you guys want to see and they drive the ball down to, to keep everyone accountable to achieving that. So um, spend management reporting, all of that, that's, that's, you've got a great, great setup in RPP. Yeah, they do a fantastic job for us. Uh, they definitely make my life a lot easier. And, you know, having their level of expertise um, and I guess uh, professionalism and just years of, you know, all the years that are in the, of, of, of support, or I'm sorry, years of uh, knowledge in their building, um, and they're all at my fingertips is, uh, has been extremely helpful. You know, just looking at what are other concepts doing and just sharing best practices um, and, and, and bringing that over definitely helps, helps me uh, support my franchisees. Yeah, the interesting thing about data reporting is we can be running it all day long. And first of all, you know, ensuring that you've got the integrity of the data. But second of all, finding the time to actually review it and then make sense of it and make a plan, you know, based on what you've seen is it takes so much time when you're responding to fires and staffing, let's say, and just the day to day things that we have to deal with in supply chain. So to have someone that's actually reviewing the reports and making making assessments and then also recommendations based on what they're seeing is it's invaluable. Very much so. Uh, they definitely provide that for me. So kudos to them. All right. So we're going to fly down closer to the ground, get more into restaurant focus for Salada. Um, it's a Houston base. Like you said, it's over 90 kitchens in five different states. I know part of its franchise on, is it completely franchise based model or do you've got uh, corporate so stores too? We have nine corporate locations, so we're about uh, 10% uh, corporate owned. Um, so, yeah, of the 93, um, we've got actually two more uh, opening this month, so we'll be at 95. Um, okay. We're growing organically um, really well within our, within our existing uh, uh, franchise base. Uh, we have 24 or 25 independent franchise uh, franchise owners. Um and we've got uh, a heavy pipeline of new franchisees definitely interested in coming on board with us. So the future is bright. Yeah, that's great when you can get multi, you know, multi-unit representation in there. Um, so again, with it being a salad concept and, and I believe it's a majority fast casual lane for you guys, you come in, you, you people serve, you know, up 70 ingredients, they can choose how to build their salad um, and enjoy either off-premise or off. Um, are you guys entertaining more of a drive-through model? I know some of them have a drive-through or pickup window. You know, tell us more about restaurant of the future for Salada, you know, based on some of the trends that you've seen in recent years and in the industry at whole. Yeah, so the, the pandemic um, forced us to think about, um, you know, restaurant uh, footprint, square footage, things of that nature. Um, 
we're definitely seeing a little more trend of dying in over the okay. last last year or so. Um, but 70% of our, um, our customer base um, will either is actually in-house. So of that 70%, people um, will actually dine in. The other 35% will essentially um, take food to go. Um, the remaining 30% are um, Uber Eats, DoorDash, third-party delivery systems. So um, people like to come through our line and customize um, their salad. They they like the they like being able to pick and choose what they want. Um, and it's once again truly customized. Uh, so this, going back to the initial question of uh, what does the uh, salad of the future look like? We're more than likely trimming down the square footage size just because we're seeing you know still thirty percent is. Uh, third-party delivery systems. So we can trim that down a little bit, um, but what we are adding in is a little bit more uh, larger walk-ins to support um, uh, fewer deliveries that uh, we may be able to uh, assist with our final mile. So a little bit bigger kitchen, a little bit smaller dining room. Uh, we're able to shrink um, from maybe 2,000 square feet to about 1,500, which is gonna help our AUVs um, for our operators and just the initial um, cost of ownership, uh, we're looking at reducing that. Excellent. So talk to me a little bit about expansion, your franchise concept. You said you've got a few that own multiple locations. So it being in five States with a primary being Texas, how do you decide, you know, what States to go to next? Is that driven by franchisee interest or do you have based on sourcing points, kind of a plan on where you want to stay? So a little bit, uh, a little bit of both. Um, you know, we we know that the Sun Belt is uh, is going to be key for us, uh, but we're not shying away from newer markets further north. Uh, we know the Midwest is uh, is a hotbed yeah. for 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 future growth. Um, so we've got some some interest there. Um, but our uh, Vice President of Franchise Development, Julie Davis, has done a fantastic job positioning us and uh, assisting with some of the rebranding and um, within the franchise community um, to support that growth. Uh, you know, she reaches out to me pretty consistently and says, hey, um, here's uh, here's an opportunity in this one just came up in Puerto Rico. And, mm. you know, how are, how could we support Puerto Rico? This franchisee has X, Y, and Z number of restaurants, solid operator. And so we start putting our heads together on, uh, you know, does this make sense for us? Can, can we make that happen? Um, but uh, just good internal communication on um, final mile distribution through a broadline distributor, as well as good produce partners in that market um, that, that fit within our distribution model. So we, we look at all of those things, uh, you know, we got to make sure that we can truly support our franchisees. And, you know, I, that that's my biggest customer is me making sure that they are well taken care of. Um, I take that very seriously. And uh, going into a market that has difficulty uh, with distribution challenges uh, definitely is not a recipe for success for setting, you know, basically setting that franchisee up for for failure. So um, we make sure we do our homework in all markets and can definitely support our, our owner operators. Yeah, absolutely critical for a strong partnership between, you know, a director or VP of franchise development and procurement. You know, we've got interest in this pocket. Does it make sense? Is it doable? Um, that's, that's great that you guys kind of work hip to hip with that. 
Um, and it's also helpful when you've got a national program manager, because then, you know, if growth across state lines is a goal and it's something that you can't afford to have any hurdles in the process, you know, you can kind of outsource or delegate that, you know, consistency of spec to them as, as they can work ahead of your, your growth plan. So I love hearing about the internal, uh, you know, partnership that you guys share there and, you know, Puerto Rico is certainly not out of the question. <laughs> um, so that's very cool. That just came um, up recently and I thought it was uh, kind of uh, a little interesting. So uh, yeah. that's maybe a definitely field have trip to start doing some yeah, field trip. <laughs> <laughs> definitely have to start doing some homework. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of field trip, how, you know, what, what kind of travel is involved in your specific role? I know you've come off a bit of a travel stretch here, and I actually want to speak to you about market vision and any learnings from there, but what does it look like? Um, is it to go meet supplier partners? Are you touring the fields? Are you heading into locations, into the kitchens? You know, Talk to me about what travel involves um, for you specifically. Um, we're looking at, uh, I look at, you know, key shows, um, Market vision was uh, is big just for sort of for me non produce um, non produce items for there. You're looking at non food items as well as additional protein suppliers, uh, canned goods for the, the little amount of items that we do use that are canned. Um, so that um, NRA seeing some of the keynote speakers um, that's yeah. always important. Um, so I'll do uh, that and uh, some regional produce shows. Um, this year, I know I'm heading out to uh, California in the summer might be a little weird given what they're dealing with. So I'm probably going to postpone that this year. Um, but doing some regional produce shows, um, if I can keep my budget tight, um, I can see a lot of uh, the same vendors that I would see on the West Coast. Um, they come to Texas. Uh, normally, when we head to shows, especially to NRA, Market Vision, I'm starting to bring the culinary team and or um, even our, our dot distribution show, I'm bringing, uh, you know, VP of marketing, we're looking at other items. So um, as they truly have the vision on the culinary and marketing side, you know, how do we put those pieces together? So bringing additional team members to um, share their insights. And, you know, I, if we're looking at, at new items and new vendors, they say, Hey, this looks great. And then we talk about distribution with that, with that vendor. And we say, yeah, that could be, could be a win. Let's, let's, let's look at that further or no distribution hasn't been figured out yet. We just put it on the back burner. Um, but having those uh, uh, internal partners um, going and working, uh, working alongside at the shows is I think is very important. I'm also traveling uh, a couple times throughout the year. Like I'll be in Atlanta later this year and actually working in the restaurants with our franchisees. Uh, it's good for them to uh, know me and uh, make some some visits. And actually, I want to see product as it's coming into the restaurants. You know, absolutely. Um, pictures tell a thousand words, but I, I want to see it and be there to receive a delivery and see what kind of service we are receiving from our uh, distribution partners. And it just um, lets me sleep better at night knowing that uh, that what I'm being told is actually what's being delivered. Yeah, eyes on the product, absolutely. All right. So other than the food being fantastic, I hear guests are your most important ingredient. So why do people choose Salada in your opinion? I believe it's the customization. I think um, the salad market is growing. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of competition out there, but that's 
our competition does a lot of set salads. And for us, it's 100% customization. As you walk through the line, um, first thing you see is um, the bright colors, uh, the boldness of, uh, you know, the colors as well as the, the crispness of the, the romaine hearts and just the, the different mixes that we offer. And then just being able to 100% pick your salad the way you want it. And basically, um, salada your way is kind of our, our, our term. Um, and, you know, if you go down the line and you want three scoops of strawberries, ask for three scoops of strawberries. Um, you know, <laughs> you want extra cabbage, you want extra black beans, um, you want two scoops of ranch dressing. That's, you know, you don't get that when you just order a set salad from somewhere, you know, it already comes pre-made the way they want it. And I think that's, I think that's the, the beauty of our concept. Um, we also have, uh, uh, we're a co-packer as well. So we produce all of our um, soups, salads, and sauces, excuse mm -hmm. me, soups, uh, sauces, and dressings. Um, mm -hmm. Our 12 dressings are preservative free. So they have a limited shelf life, um, most to 60 to 75 days. Um, and those are produced here in Houston. Um, so we keep very tight tabs on, on that quality level. And I think our customers have just loved to and uh, learn to love our, our, our freshness and just the fact that we do clean label. Clean label and customization. Those are great. How about uh, just the food service industry as a whole? Um, taking us back out, you know, what do you believe to be the greatest need in our industry today? Well, I'll state the obvious. We we need people that are passionate about uh, being solid operators. Um, we need staffing. Mm -hmm. I think that's first and foremost. You know, uh, with three percent unemployment, um, we're still not seeing the 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 quality um, applicant that that we used to. So staffing is one. Um, you know, that's for us. That is our one of our biggest challenges uh, for our corporate stores is uh, maintaining staffing levels. So we're we are we're holding on to good staff because we've got uh, uh, incentives, bonuses. Um, you know, we do parties for them. You know, we're we're doing things to make sure that they are known that they're welcome, they're loved. Um, and I think that shows in the quality of product that we turn out. So we pay a little more, um, but we also support them. And that's sort of what we share with our franchisees um, as well to try to help them uh, make sure that they are turning out a fantastic product. Um, from the food service side, I would say I need some more proprietary slots within my distributors for some of, oh. our, from of our key items. That's a great um, answer. Absolutely. We, need, we need some bigger warehouses, if you will. Yeah. Warehouses need to be bigger. They need to hold more yeah. product. So I'm, I'm in need of a handful more uh, proprietary slots. Um, that's for me to negotiate at a later time. But uh, I, I think that's probably an industry-wide uh, situation. Yeah, that's something that people come to us frequently with. Here's my produce items. These are the key items. But it's also a must that these three or four items ride on the same truck. So find us a home and you've got us a partner. So yeah. that's a challenge. Real estate is tight. And I think something that our distributors came out of COVID with is a true understanding of keeping a lean operation and needing to, you know, um, fill out the trucks and but also productive in the, the real estate inside their warehouse. So um, that's a great answer. I love that. It's, it's something, to... I'm, 
yeah. I, I'm employing a few tactics within our, our broadline distributor on, you know, some tit for tat, you know, I'll, I'll trade you this for that. Mm-hmm. Let's begin using your brand instead of mine, but you need to, you'll need to do something to match my price and mm-hmm. make some internal deviations to adjust that. And um, I'll, I'll be happy to use your, your house brand um, if it meets quality. Um, and, but I'm going to, I'll eliminate this proprietary item for, and go to your house brand, but I need another proprietary brought in. Um, so just being able to work and massage your, um, the relationship with your, your distributors um, and, and vendor partners, I think is huge. So it's sort of forced us to look a little bit differently at uh, that vendor relationship um, and help them. And in turn, they help us. Part of your first answer, though, in, in covering just passion, being a great need in our industry, and specifically with the operators and, and staffing, I, I went to Texas Roadhouse for a dinner over the weekend, and every single um, server had a shirt on, and the back of their shirt said, I love my job, with a big exclamation mark. And it was, I mean, there were so many staff members working and then you know they've got the country music going and every now and again the right song would come on and they had to bundle in the center of the restaurant and do a line dance I walked out of there so on fire about that brand just simply because of the vibe inside I mean it was so upbeat and there was so much pride for you know what they did and the food that they serve and that's something that I definitely took away as just being experiential with with you know when you build your restaurant concept and and, and what you want to deliver, you know, the people who come and enjoy it. So that sounds like that. a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine having several tables on a Saturday night and then having to, to set down whatever you're doing and go dance in the middle. I mean, it's just, it's multitasking for sure. They're my heroes. <laughs> okay. So let's get into the personal side of Josh Hoyt a little as we wrap up and, um, and ask you a few questions, just how you started your career. Um, in supply chain and procurement, you know, you, you're in Houston, Texas, you were the national sales manager at McLean. How did, how did you get from there to specifically with Salada? So with McLean, I was there for a short period of time. Um, my prior tenure um, where I really cut my teeth in um, food service distribution was uh, 20 plus years with Cisco Foods in Houston. So I was sales manager um, with Cisco Houston um, as well as a uh, marketing associate. So working boots on the ground, working with customers, um, independent owner operators day in and day out, um, managing a high level, um, high energy sales team for 15 years as a district sales manager, um, working with uh, independent owner operators, as well as uh, multi-unit groups that were up and coming. So small mini chains, if you will, um, working sure. with them on um, programs, um, um, MSAs, MDAs, um, uh, you know, proprietary slots, logo items, uh, you know, their growing business, looking at margin schedules, products, and, and that consultative selling approach. Um, that's that's really where I learned everything about uh, uh, food service distribution for you know twenty plus years. Um, then moved to McLean. Um, which is a little more on the retail side, but worked with okay. uh, them for a short period of time um, on uh, food service, um, or sorry, retail canned items into uh, food banks across the across the country. Oh. So understanding, um, you know, the uh, uh, sort of the uh, the lack of food for uh, underprivileged um, families. 
So we're, uh, you know, I got to see that side of the business, but that was really truly trucking and not so much distribution final mile. It was mm-hmm. full truckloads. So I got to um, see a whole lot of uh, uh, different sides of, of the business from sort of the retail side, um, the trucking, as well as sort of the final mile Cisco. So. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear about experience. I mean, that your experience in, in broadline distribution certainly speaks for your approach with Salada. I can just tell in, in so many of the ways that you've answered questions, that depth. Um, it, I, I, whenever I speak with people that want to break into you know national produce support, I, I, I tell them first start at, start at the distributor level, get into a warehouse, look at product, see product in the cases and understand what our drivers do for the final mile day in, day out. Um, it's, it, it kind of helps connect the dots as you start to expand further out. So how about something that you learned early on, either with McLean or Cisco, or even before high school, middle school, that's strangely relevant to what you do today? Um, I guess, you know, I touched on it earlier, um, in my first year at Cisco, um, I had just come out of restaurant operations um, with Landry's, um, being a kitchen manager, and mm. um, you know, come to work for a, a major Fortune 100 company, you know, sort of multi-billion-dollar at that time in the in the early 2000s, and I struggled with um, product being broken or damaged, and I had to really understand that distribution was perfect. It was not perfect. And I, I touched on it earlier. Um, you know, it's still a human element and we need to be patient and understand mm-hmm. that there are going to be bumps in the road and that things are not going to be perfect. And uh, it's something that I've had to, had to learn um, from many years ago that just be patient. Things have a way of working themselves out and, sure. you know, just do everything you can to mitigate um, you know, look ahead and see, okay, what kind of issues could we run into and do your best to, uh, keep those from happening. But, um, distribution is not perfect and patience, uh, you definitely have to have some patience in, in, in this industry. So that's something that I had to, I wanted to pull my hair out when we figured out why couldn't a bag of flour be delivered without it being you know, broken, um, you know, billion dollar company, we can't figure that out. And then, uh, you know, once I figured I was going to be inconvenienced that day or something wasn't going to go my way and learn to deal with it, I was way better off. So once again, having a uh, solid understanding of patience and putting it into, to work every day, um, is, was key for me. All right. So I have a few what we call closer questions where we wrap up um, and I'm going to fire them off. You know, just let me know what comes to mind first. First one is what tool or strategy in your workday saves you the most time? I live off of reports. First mm-hmm. thing I do, and I've always done that, um, even at my career at Cisco was look at um, look at what was delivered, um, you know, what, what did our restaurant sales do? Gives me an understanding of kind of what we're doing, where we're at um, year over year, uh, week over week, day over day comparisons um, for all of our restaurants. Um, also look at uh, inventory levels in all of our um, distribution centers. I get that type of reporting. So items that are proprietary to us um, that are really important. We've got some reports built out that are um, definitely helpful. So start my day looking at those and can head off 
any uh, any issues that we're currently facing and uh, put the plan together to uh, mitigate any um, out of stocks. And I hate to say it's reactive. Um, some is reactive to support issues that are happening right now, and but also um, proactive to you know how can we how can we uh, cut off any future issues um, before they happen. So that's that's a big part of my day. The first couple couple hours is just getting ahead of any issues. Reviewing reporting. I love it. <laughs> All right. Who has been, or do you have a mentor and in what way? Yeah. So um, not so much a mentor anymore as more of a, a colleague, but mm-hmm. um, one of the first guys that I had at Cisco that uh, kind of took me under his wing um, to teach me quite a bit. And was a gentleman by the name of Scott Counts. Um, he's had many different roles, um, at the, uh, Opco at Cisco Houston. Um, he's, he's had quite a few different positions from district sales manager, uh, revenue manager, business development director, um, just a fantastic individual, but, uh, I really leaned on him, um, early on in my career to teach me all about programs, margin schedules, um, just different agreements, um, uh, MDAs, um, GPOs, and kind of how they work, you know, understanding FOB, um, delivered costs, um, and, and how all those come into, come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really set me up for success as a district sales manager, as I was working with, uh, you know, many multi-unit accounts, um, up and coming, uh, small chains in the Houston market. Uh, so, um, now, um, we're colleagues cause we're pretty much equals in our, in our knowledge level, but I owe Oh, a lot of my success and knowledge base to him. And in turn, I'd like to think that uh, I've had a hand in bringing up some other individuals um, mm. as well, um, helping further some of my salespeople's career. I mean, that's what I was tasked with and helping them um, learn the same thing so that they can uh, be successful uh, in their future endeavors. Well, to that end, to the next generation of supply chain procurement, what is your best secret that you're willing to share? One thing that helped me a lot with with Salada was I went through training. You know, I, I was familiar with the brand. The owners were I've known the owners for a long time, and uh, but I didn't know what went on the back of the house. You know, I could walk through the line and pretty much see what they were doing, but having to go through training um, as a a line level employee and actually cut the veggies and understand really what we're doing. Um, and how that translates down to the actual customer and what gets them excited um, was really important. So, uh, you know, went through training. Um, I, I think knowing your operation from the inside out is important. So understand what each, each function does, um, as well as the products that they are using to do that role. So um, when it comes down to even the hostess that's um, wiping down menus or, you know, cleaning the glass, why, why are you buying that particular product? What's the reason why you would be buying that, that glass cleaner? Or, you know, why do you buy that paring knife, you know, from that particular vendor? So really know, know the items and the vendors you get them from. Um, challenge the status quo. Um, you know, why do we use this vendor? And if it's, well, we've always used that vendor, well, maybe maybe it's time to begin shopping. You know, if it's a key item, um, you definitely need to have multiple avenues and out um, uh, possibilities uh, of additional vendors because you never know what could happen. The pandemic was uh, a big part of that, you know, opening people's eyes to having more than one 
option for uh, say manufacturer, maybe not necessarily final mile distributor, but uh, you know, what do we pivot to when product A is out? Do we have a comparable uh, substitute? Um, if, you know, if that item is no longer available, we need to have it. Um, you know, go to shows. I say go to shows, um, spend the money, go out, um, meet people. Um, when I first got into the, into this side of the business, um, I knew a lot of brokers and manufacturer reps, but I didn't know, you know, I, I knew what was specific in Cisco. I didn't know all manufacturers. So going to different shows and just shaking hands and meeting people and asking questions and talking to them about their business um, was important for me. So um, got a, I guess I was sort of uh, in, a, in a really small town when I was with Cisco. Now I'm in a big city, I guess, with what's available to me uh, after meeting, going to shows for the last two years and meeting people um, and just, you know, get to know people and network. I think that that's huge. Um, and the last thing I'll say is um, know basic economics. Um, understand, you know, the war in Ukraine and understand what that that wheat crop that is no longer coming out of there, what is that going to do to um, certain items that you buy? You know, follow the soybean oil markets if you're heavy into fry oil. You know, understand what that's going to do to you. You know, just the basic supply and demand. Um, understanding those markets um, is huge in helping you make better purchasing decisions. Do you know, in in a uh, inflationary period, do I contract long at a set price, um, but during a deflationary period, do I not contract, right? Because you're going to see the, the downs versus a steady price. So understanding some of those basic principles uh, will, uh, will do a new person well. Those are great answers. I mean, it starts with training and understanding the bones of your organization so that if you're heading into procurement, you're making the right recommendations and not these off the wall suggestions. Uh, going to shows to meet people and just get in conversation, hear about, you know, what's going on and some of the responses to it um, and just building that network, right? Relationships are so critical um, in this industry. And then, um, you know, three, understanding, you know, our global supply chain platform and just the economies that go into that. Uh, I love it. That's a, that's a great three to start off with. And I completely agree. Um, how about just a Going back to the, the theme of grounded and and maybe a daily habit that you have that that keeps you grounded, so to speak. I'm really social. I, I like being with people. I guess that's the sales side of me. Um, mm -hmm. Working with just reaching out to my team members. Um, I've mm -hmm. got a great support system um, within our company. Um, we've got top top level um, directors. Um, as well as uh, say all of our training staff, but just being in the office and working with them and, and seeing their smiling faces and, you know, talk to them about um, opportunities or challenges and working through that. Um, just being in the restaurants and working with, with our teammates um, is, is something that keeps me excited and going um, and, and grounded, if you will. Uh, and I think um, our, our chef, uh, Josh Graber, um, he and I have a whole lot of fun when working on new products <laughs> Um, new, new projects, if it's an LTO or something, um, he, he and I just bounce a lot of ideas off and just working in the kitchen, I mean, we just have a whole lot of fun. So, um, you know, we're a fun company. 
we do a lot of fun stuff. Um, we love each other and, uh, I think it shows in our food. So, you know, just being at work every single day and working with great people that are, um, experts in their field, if you will. Um, but they're just fantastic human beings to begin with. And that's, uh, for me, that's, uh, that's huge. So for you, it's people that keep you grounded, but I'm a mother of four. So I would say my alone time. <laughs> <laughs> that's what keeps me grounded. I love it. I can understand. <laughs> All right. What excites you about the future, Josh? Uh, for, for right now, it's our growth. Um, we're, we're in a, a massive growth uh, stage. Um, new markets coming on board um, in that. Um, it's it's never the same day twice right now, and that's what excites me. Um, things are never boring, but uh, seeing the growth of our company, um, we're very entrepreneurial in spirit. We're so young, we're, we're, we're nimble, we're able to pivot, we're able to make make suggestions, uh, make have ideas, um, have them implemented. Um, but moving into new markets with new franchisees and seeing the growth and where we can go is uh, is truly the excitement. Um, awesome. so, so looking forward to 20, the end of 2023, 24 coming on, um, we're definitely a, a brand to watch. Love it. Last question. We call it pick or kick staple produce item for a burger. Um, staple produce item. I would like to say homemade pickles, but that's probably too hard for the standard operator. You know, I, I like the burger <laughs> topper. You know, I like the uh, like the the mega crunch burger topper, but mm -hmm. I like it underneath the patty so okay. that it so that the bread doesn't absorb the grease. Right. That I like <laughs> I like the I like the uh, that that mega crunch burger topper. Um, that's for me. That's kind of a, a one piece goes on there. It, Iceberg for me is not, uh, not the way to go anymore for, for a burger. Sure. Well, I love it, Josh. You've been uh, a wealth of knowledge today and I knew you would be an excellent guest. I'm so appreciative that you came on. How about for those that want to get in touch with you, you know, those coming up into supply chain or procurement, or perhaps heard something that they want to follow up and ask a question on, where can people get a hold of you? Do you have a LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out. Happy to uh, share knowledge and um, I won't share too many secrets, trade <laughs> secrets, but, uh, yeah, happy to, uh, speak with anybody at any time. Um, it's, uh, sharing, sharing knowledge and passing it on is, uh, is important in our industry. And for those craving a fresh salad, feel free to access their website, salada.com to see if there's one in your state or coming soon near you. Thank you, Mr. Hoyt. <laughs> Lauren, thank you very much. Had a great time. Yes, so did I. And thank you to those listening. If you learned something today or laughed, tell someone about this episode. And this has been another exciting episode of Grounded. See you next time. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode. We have covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for joining. For show notes and our most updated market report, visit us at groundedthepod.com. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators by leveraging technology, talent, and an insatiable appetite to improve. <laughs> <laughs>